Hey guys, you're listening to You Are Not Broken podcast, where we combine science, education, and a little bit of humor to help women feel empowered about their sex lives. So today's uh, two of two for a talk I broke apart because it was really long. This talk was given to a bunch of women physicians, so a little bit of it's geared towards if you see patients about sex, but a lot of this is for private use also. Um, Disclaimers, again, I am not giving you individualized medical advice. See your own physician or healthcare provider for that. I'm giving general health and education um, and wellness information. So in this second one, and you can go back and listen to the first part. Uh, I published that a week ago, but you don't have to if you're just coming coming across me for the first time. This is you completely listen to this on its own. So we're going to talk about mindfulness uh, and sex, faking orgasms, how porn is fake, and how it helps and hurts people in their sex education, um, why penis and vagina sex is bad for female orgasms. We'll talk about clitoral anatomy. We'll talk about some medications that have come out for hypoactive sexual desire disorder, some sexual pain, and at the end, top tips for sex and some of my book recommendations. So I hope you guys enjoy. Be safe out there. Okay, so um, mindfulness. Let's talk a little bit about mindfulness because who hasn't yet gone through residency and being an attending and not and yet not yet meditated <laughs> um so mindfulness will work with covid and it also works with sex so we'll just talk about it briefly so mindfulness is simply the practice of focusing on the body or focusing on the now and not worrying about the past and the future um, and really to have enjoyable sexual experiences it's all about pleasure non-judgment non kind of non monologue right uh he does this every time it's not great here we go again um so mindfulness is very very it's something to be cultivated i think you know all these things where they're like mind-blowing sex in four weeks when you like this is this is a practice to be good sexually and to have pleasure it's something you're going to practice on and, and it's playful and it's all about pleasure but so for what mindfulness does is refocus on the now and your brain will go to tomorrow and your brain will go to the unknown because that's what our brains do. It's always like scanning for safety, <laughs> right? Scanning for safety and especially women scanning for judgment, right? Our brains are, that's what they do. We can't make them not do it, but we can get a lot better at saying, okay, wait back to that. Okay, wait back to him. Okay, wait back. And you, it's training. So bo- both meditation and then mindfulness in the bedroom, very, very successful tools for dealing with stress, anxiety, judgment, all the things that we do that completely kill our experiences. Um, Hey, Lisa, thanks for watching. So that brings me to faking orgasm. (laughs) Nobody does that, all right. Um, So I just read a study on, on faking orgasms, so it's like, 80% 80% of women do it 50% of the time or something insane. Um, and then like 20% of women fake orgasms all the time. Like it's not, it's not helping, but think about why people fake orgasms. They think that they should be having pleasure with what's going on. So that's society telling us that, um, they think that, uh, they want to, they don't want to embarrass their partner or tell them that it's not working. Um, But what you're doing is you're setting up a bad feedback loop of like this uncomfortable thing results in me having an orgasm and then it's done. And then you wonder why you have low desire, right? (laughs) Vicious circle. So um, 
faking orgasm, women think they're doing it for their partner. Well, I don't want to hurt him, but you're actually hurting yourself because you're preventing your partner from learning what's good for you. Um, you're giving fake feedback. And so as far as kind of how do I break that cycle, right? How do I break that cycle of fake orgasm? Um, kind of owning up to it and taking the responsibility that you're you're playing a part in this. So the, the mindset is like, well, my husband's, or my partner is bad at pleasing me, so I'm gonna fake it to get over with. It's, it's the partner's problem. But I'm gonna encourage you to flip that and be like, actually, you're giving poor feedback and you're, you're not allowing the relationship to progress because you're saying that that's good and you're saying that it's over now. And so taking some ownership and responsibility for that behavior that you have and saying, that's actually about you and, and you thinking you should be orgasming now or you not wanting to have a difficult conversation. So I would, I would propose that faking orgasm is not good for your sex life and might need to be something you think about and work on to kind of get out of that and be like, why am I faking it? And why, and, and, and to realize it's not your partner's fault that you're faking it. It's your fault for not knowing, not fault, that sounds kind of harsh. I'm a surgeon, I'm harsh sometimes. <laughs> um, that it's, it's, your, it's your situation you've gotten yourself into because either you don't know what pleases you or you think something should please you but it doesn't and that's society's judgment. Um, so then that'll lead us to porn. There's so many topics, you guys. I feel like I'm like blowing through sex ed 101 very fast. So porn, porn is ubiquitous now. A lot of, I think a lot of us and just knowing the age that we all are, aren't around it as much as young people are. But I have friends who are sex therapists at the university and like everybody gets educated with porn now. And porn is a product designed to get stereotypically men off as fast as possible. So it's a product, it's fake. There are many, many fake things in porn, but if you're getting your sex education from porn, your knowledge of female sexual function is inadequate. Your knowledge of what turns a man on is inadequate. Um, lots of inadequate things about getting your education from porn. But a lot of, I think, going back to the faking of the orgasms, I think a lot of women are like, oh, that's how I'm supposed to get off. Um, and so they fake orgasm because they're like, well, that, I, that should do it for me by now. Instead of truly understanding what creates pleasure in their body and what's pleasing. Um, two resources on that note uh, for finding pleasure. Because if you're like, I don't know where to go to find pleasure. Two resources, one is Rosie, which is an app created by uh, Lindsay, who's in this group, Lindsay. Lindsay Harper, she's a guy uh, based out of Dallas. We actually met in the bathroom <laughs> at an Ishwish conference. Um, and I'm in a Style and D group and she's in a Style and D group and we were in the bathroom at an Ishwish conference and she's like, are you Kelly? So props to Lindsay, it, like an amazing entrepreneur, has this great app called Rosie. Um, can I plug this, Lindsay? They, they, they offer it free to healthcare professionals. Is that okay? <laughs> um, so it talks a lot about um, how, how to enjoy pleasure, what kind of what turns women on. So um, 
So Rosie is amazing. Great for your patients too. And then number two is OMG. Yes. So OMG. Yes. Um, also has discounts for healthcare professionals. So that is um, video, some erotic video based up out of California to basically teach women how to achieve pleasure and satisfaction. And I, what I really like about it is it's very like evidence science based. It'll be like 43% of women like this touch, 87% of women like this touch. And so you're like, hmm, that's nice data. Maybe let's see if I'm in the majority. So I just, I like the way that it's very fact-based. And the other cool thing about the um, OMGS is it's women all the way through, like way past menopause that they interviewed. Um, so it's not just focusing on 32 year olds, which is very cool. Orgasm inequality. Penis in vagina sex results in female orgasm about 13% of the time. So depending upon what study you read, but certainly it's less than 20% of the time. And the women who have orgasm with penis and vagina sex, or PIV is what all the cool kids call it, <laughs> um, is because for probably two reasons. Number one, they are getting some clit clitoral stimulation. And then number two, people's, I don't know how many pelvic exams you guys do, but people's vaginal entrances, urethras, and then clitorises are all have varying widths to them. Like the clitoris might be really far away from the vagina or it might be really close to the vaginal entrance. And so based upon that, the glands of the clitoris can get stimulated if it's closer to the vaginal opening than if it's farther away. So they think, well, the women who can have orgasm with penis and vagina sex, their clitoral bulb or glands of the clitoris is probably closer to the vaginal opening. There are some women, their clitorises are like way up here. <laughs> they're not going to have satisfaction with penis and vagina sex unless they really pay attention to the clitoris. For people who don't know this, the clitoris actually is a lot inside. So the clitoral glands that we can actually see if you actually look, which most people don't, <laughs> but that is literally the tip of the iceberg. It wraps in, it spreads around the labia. And that's why for many women, labial pulling, labial stretching, um, labial rubbing is very, very pleasurable because it's actually engaging the clitoris. So anatomy, did anybody learn that anatomy in med school? So, and here's the other thing. Don't, so, okay, so you've been having penis and vagina sex like you thought you were supposed to because that's how you got taught and it's not satisfying and it's not all the man's fault. So if we think, if we think that women don't have enough sexual education, Lord knows men don't have enough sexual education. Um, again, going back to porn, especially now, is you put the penis in the vagina, men orgasm in about four to seven minutes with vaginal penetration. We know that women from start to finish take at least 13 to 17 minutes. So you put the penis in the vagina, the man orgasms, the woman didn't, it's her fault and she's broken. Instead of, no, the education of what actually pleases a woman was never given to number one, the woman, number two, the man. <laughs> so it's not their fault. They're trying. Most men, and you know, going back to studies, most men really get off and love pleasing their partner. Like that brings them part of their kind of manliness and satisfaction is knowing that they please their partner. So they want to, but if you don't know how, Lord knows they don't know how. So we need a we need a re-education, and porn is not not helpful. It's really it's just a product that tells us wrong things. Um, so don't blame the man. If he doesn't know, it's because he never was taught or you never taught him or you never taught yourself so you could teach him. <laughs> I hope that helps. Um, let's talk about hypoactive sexual desire disorder. 
I'm switching now from coffee to my branch chain amino acids. I worked out today. Exercise is very, very good for sex, you guys. So if you think about the clitoris being the female equivalent of the penis, um, things that cause erectile dysfunction, cardiovascular disease, smoking, diabetes, bad for penises, also bad for clitorises. We just never talk about that. Um, the other thing about clitorises is clitorises, like penises, have a, have a foreskin or um, it's kind of a hood, right? And so men can get that kind of stuck and scarred down and so can clitorises. And so if, you, if I see a woman who's number one never had an orgasm or number two has decreased her orgasm capacity, when I do a physical exam, you literally can pull up the hood to see if it retracts. A lot of times they'll have adhesions just like phimosis in a penis and you have to release those so that more of the clitoris can come out or sometimes that adhesion will stick and then it pulls up um, with sex and it can be very painful. So for people who have pain with sex, it's very important to be examined by somebody who knows what they're doing. Um, I've seen so many women where they're like, oh, well, they I did an exam and they said it was fine. They don't, people don't know how to look at clitorises. People don't know how to look at the skin of the vulva. Um, so many, many women I see, I'm like, well, your clitoris is actually, you know, here and it's adhesed and it's, you have low, low hormones on the skin. And they're like, why have people told me my exam is fine? It's like, cause we don't get trained. We do not get trained in medical school. We do not get trained in residency. Stop blaming the gynecologist. We're asking them to do way too much already. They, they don't know and we can't assume they know. Um, so going back to clitoral health is penis health and women have heart disease and women smoke and women have diabetes and all these things can decrease the nerves uh, and the blood flow to their genitals. So hyperactive sexual desire disorder. Um, it is, there's now two FDA approved meds for hypoactive sexual desire disorder, um, filbanserin and I'm gonna, I'm gonna blank on that right now, Addy and Bilisi. Yeah, okay, so Addy and Bilisi, those are the brand names. Um, one is a once a day medication you take at night. It had a very strict alcohol policy on it, so they actually had to sign something in my clinic that said I won't take alcohol. Um, take it for about three months. If it doesn't work, we can stop. It is a, it's basically a bad antidepressant. What I mean by that is they were studying it for depression and it didn't, it didn't work enough. But some women were saying, hey, I actually had more desirable uh, interest in sex. So then that's how it became a, kind of a sexual dysfunction medication. The results, depending upon your optimism, <laughs> uh, they, it, it works or it doesn't work, depending upon how you want to interpret the data. It results in about one more satis sexually satisfying event a month. And so people are like, one more time a month? That's not great. Um, but other people will be like, yeah, but she went from like zero satisfying sexual events a month. Or, you know, the average, the average couple, trivia, the average couple has sex about once a week. America's like super hung up on like comparing themselves to other people with that. Like, am I having sex enough? Does it matter? <laughs> Don't keep up with the Joneses on this and they might be having melted ice cream sex <laughs> anyways um, So don't judge yourself and don't compare yourself to how many times other people are having sex It's not a fair metric <laughs> and they're probably having you know Mint chocolate chip ice cream sex and you like strawberry ice cream sex and so it doesn't matter anyways. It's a different conversation um, 
So that's that medication. One, one more satisfying sexual event a month. And then um, Addy, which is Thobanserin, is actually um, bremelanotide is the, is the product, <laughs> drug. Um, and so bremelanotide was actually being uh, investigated as a self-tanning product. And an investigator who was a man overdosed and took like double the dose in one day and then had an erection for 14 hours. <laughs> you can't make this stuff up, man. Sex med is fascinating. So one of the researchers overdosed and gave himself an erection for like 14 hours. And then they're like, maybe there's, maybe this has something to do with like sex in the brain. Um, so both of these drugs work on dopamine and promoting more dopamine in the brain. So dopamine is your accelerator for sex and serotonin is your break. So that's why SSRIs or the common antidepressants are so bad for a sex drive and orgasm and libido is because it, it keeps serotonin around more and then that is why you don't wanna have sex. So these are dopamine, they keep dopamine around more and dopamine is your reward drug or your reward neurotransmitter of like, let's look for sex. So that's, uh, that's good. Um, hey Magdalena, I'm glad I'm gonna do a couple more books too, so you just like hold those in your Amazon cart. And Magdalena said she's been waiting to read Mating in Captivity and Come As You Are, so I'll give you a couple more, then you can just order a lot. Anybody else reading more right now with COVID? Um, so the other thing about hypoactive sexual desire disorder, just to repeat myself, is I can't make you like melted ice cream. If the sex is mediocre, if it's not about your pleasure, if it's not about your orgasm, I can't make you desire that. <laughs> so you have to fix that. And then desire is thought to kind of bubble up of like, well, I like doing things that are fun. I like doing things that are rewarding. Um, we haven't talked at all about sexual pain, but certainly if you have sexual pain, pain with sex, dyspareunia, um, don't, take a, don't take a hypoactive sexual desire disorder med. You can't desire things that are painful. Um, so it's just in kind of the way of thinking about that circular sexual response. So I'm going to wrap this up. I wrote down like five things, top tips, top tips for sex. Um, use lube. Who is not using lube? You have to use lube. Um, the vulva and the vagina doesn't always, it's called discordance in like, I'm turned on, but I don't have enough moisture or I'm not turned on, but I'm super wet right now. Women have tons of discordance, whereas men don't. I'm turned on and I have an erection. It's pretty rare that they don't, except for think back to teenagers, boys would have erections in like science class for no good reason. Like they're not turned on and they have erections. So that is the discordance that women have a lot more of. So you can be super turned on and still dry and that's okay. That has nothing to do with how turned on or turned off you are. So lube helps. Uh, in a study, 80, 80 some percent of Americans use lube. I recommend silicone lube because it is not, so water-based lube is absorbed, right? So just think about facial moisturizer. <laughs> if you do an oil-based or a silicone-based, like a primer is silicone-based, this is going back to face care. <laughs> Vulva care is face care. Um, so if you think of a moisturizer, a water-based moisturizer is gonna soak into your skin pretty fast. So it doesn't last very long for sexual intercourse. If you use an oil-based or a silicone-based, it's gonna stay on the surface a lot longer. So better for sex, I think. So water-based lubes are fine, but KY Jelly is seriously like the saltine of crackers. It's like, yes, it's a cracker, but do you wanna have saltines? Like buy the fancy nice crackers. <laughs> 
So um, one that's really nice is called Uberlube. Um, if you if you do see sexual dysfunction in your office, if you contact Uberlube, they will send you a bunch of samples. Then you'll have a bunch of samples to give women. Because a lot of women think, oh, I had a woman, I had a woman, and she's like, my boyfriend told me I shouldn't need to use lube. Screw that guy, man. <laughs> that guy is, no, he's not good for you. Um, lube is your friend. It's very good, and it prevents pain with sex. It prevents friction. And a lot of women will they'll kind of feel inflamed or sore, or they'll be in pain like a couple of days after sex, which can be a muscle problem, or it can be a not enough lube problem. Um, so lube lube, uber lube is a very nice one. Um, pleasure is the key. So if you think about sex that way, pleasure is the key. You're not women have sex for many many reasons but if you make it about pleasure and your pleasure it will be more satisfying you'll desire it more and it's your job to find out what's pleasurable to you i i, I love being a urologist and i love talking to women about sex but i'm like i'm never going to come to your bedroom i'm never going to give you tips and trips <laughs> tips and tricks for sex it's like you have to find out yeah that's the hard work you have to do yourself so pleasure is the key take care of your body so sex comes like evolutionary wise we need to reproduce but in a long-term relationship in modern society sex does actually come last unless you bring it up there so sleeping sleep deprivation they've done these studies sleep deprivation on sex drives kills sex drives i think the body's smart enough to know that it shouldn't reproduce if you're exhausted <laughs> so especially for shift workers you know those of us who work nights or are on call if you don't have adequate sleep and then you wonder where your sex drive is, that's where your sex drive is. Um, you have to, it's very, very good to have adequate sleep before you try to have sex. Um, the body's just prioritizing care at that point. Um, exercise, great for blood flow. I think I talked about that earlier. Um, also muscle mass is great for natural testosterone production. So both in women and men, weight bearing exercises, um, fantastic. And then it, exercise just brings up your confidence, right? Like I'm strong, I'm sexy, I'm good looking. Those are all good things for like confidence in the bedroom. So exercise, great, sleep, great. Um, don't smoke, but I don't need to tell you guys that. Watch out for alcohol. Alcohol's the double-edged sword. Um, as far as great for sexual interest, because you're not thinking about tomorrow, but not great for orgasms. So book review. Mating in captivity, very good for desire in long-term relationships. Come as you are will blow your mind. This is kind of where I was like, oh, women aren't broken. Responsive sexual desire is normal. You will like blow people's mind if you start talking about the different types of desire. So very good read. Also, she has a book on burnout, <laughs> which is good for doctors. This book is amazing. Hold on. I put my desk cover on. The Pleasure Gap. This just came out. This was just published. And this gets into like all the, all the science, all the data, all the whys. And it's very well written. So this is maybe a little more master class than Come As You Are. Everybody must read. People who want to be experts must read. Um, very well written. If I was going to write a book about this, I would write this book. Um, this is amazing. So Lori Mintz, she actually works with Lindsay Harper on the Rosie app. She's on there. So she is talking all about orgasm. There's that orgasmic equality again. There's actually a section in here for partners too, to be like, hey, make it about her orgasm and you'll have more sex. 
Um, so talking a lot about uh, sexual inequality, orgasmic inequality, and how to change that. So good read, pretty fast read. Add that to your list. And then this one I have to plug because she's amazing. Jen Gunter, gynecologist extraordinaire based in California. She's Canadian. But this is a fantastic book. It looks, I mean, it's very thick, right? But it's great for if you have patients who are like really don't know much about their bodies at all. Um, one of the other things I like in here is like, it's not all a yeast infection. <laughs> all pain is not a yeast infection. Stop it. <laughs> so very fast read for us. It's, it's not, it's, you know, below medical textbook, definitely more for the lay person, but it's a pretty fast read and it's kind of more like a reference 101. So great for patients. That is like me and sex med in a nutshell. Here's my goal. You guys remember when we used to travel and teach? I want to come and teach at your institutions and teach people female sexual med because I don't know where people are getting this knowledge from. And this is like just the tip of the iceberg of like, those are just the books I brought down to show you today. Um, so I know a lot about this because this is what I do. And I want to come and teach and teach doctors and teach nurses and teach normal average accountants about sex and how it doesn't have to be as bad as it is. <laughs> so thank you guys for watching. Please leave comments below. Let me know if you need other topics or what else I can do for this group. So love you. Be safe. Wash your hands. I just touched my face. Um, this too shall pass. All right. All my love. <laughs>